back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is for the Glory KC. We're bringing a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, associate editor at KCSoccerGirl.com. He's going to try to take you a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, The Problem, Sheena Smith, who gives that more casual perspective. Hey, Sheena. Hey, Chad. Uh, what do you think about your wrestling nickname? It's a little obscure. I have no thoughts on it. I was just thinking Sporting Kansas City were a problem tonight for St. Louis, so it felt fitting for you. Yes, they definitely were. So, yeah, that is a good a good title for me. All right, cool, cool. So let's talk about what's on today's show. Sporting Kansas City sends St. Louis packing from the playoffs. There's a little Antoine Griezmann rumor. Uh, I don't know. It's the, It's nothing, but we'll talk about it. And then, of course, the digital crawl, y'all. Sheena. We are known on this podcast for not always talking soccer immediately, though. So I didn't ask you, but I assume you have some sort of nonsense that you'd like to talk about. I actually don't. There's not what? been much. I know I haven't had much going on lately. Uh, I will we had a say, lazy weekend. yeah, I will say this. If anyone is looking for an adorable tripod, uh, I had to return our foster pup spirit back to Casey Pet Project because I was allergic to him, but he is a sweetheart and he is at the Zona Rosa location. So if anyone's looking for a really adorable dog, he is available for adoption. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Yeah, you were sneezing like crazy. That was weird. Well, you know, we did one nonsense thing I can bring into this. I said we were lazy. We were lazy on Saturday, but today we were hustling around. A lot of it (laughs) turned into a sporting Kansas City day, but we we did some house painting in the morning. It's not like we were completely lazy. I was like on some ladders and yeah, it was good times. Oh, yeah. And I was up and I watched the Chiefs game and that was a pretty exciting game. It was a weird game. It was very defensive for the majority of the first half, and then it ended weirdly. So I forgot. I watched the Chiefs game. Yeah, I don't know if you can count that as not being lazy. You watch a football <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's something Sunday I was did. dedicated to Kansas City. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to this. Then we don't have to waste time. There's no need to waste time. Let's talk about Sporting Kansas City sending St. Louis packing from the playoffs. Two games. It's a sweep. They're out of here. Oh, so satisfying. Before we get to talking about all the beats of the game. So I was in the press box. Sheena was down with our child in the South Stand. And Sheena, how nervous were you during the game? I feel like I wasn't nervous until St. Louis scored. And then the 12 minutes of stoppage time, that's when I got real nervous. Like I didn't set a timer because I'm used to you doing it. And it's funny because during the second half, our daughter kept saying, there's going to be like forever stoppage time. And I was like, no, you're being like you're exaggerating. And then this was before like Danny Rosero was injured. So this was like pre-injuries. And then as people kept getting injured and time was like the training staff would have to come out. I was like, yeah, it's probably like originally I was saying three to four minutes and I was like, yeah, maybe seven minutes. And then they said 12 and I was like, oh boy, that's a lot of time for St. Louis to get a second goal, which I still was like, you know, if they get a second goal, then we go to penalties and that would be nerve wracking. But I have a lot of faith in Timilia, so I don't know, but I was definitely the most nervous during those 12 long minutes of stoppage time. Yeah, I would say 
after the goal went in, I was definitely nervous too, but I was nervous at the beginning of the game. There was just so much energy in the stadium. Both fan bases were very loud. I would like to uh, give a shout out to the KC people though, because they were doing a really good job of being loud from early on. Like St. Louis was doing their chanting pregame, but so was Kansas City, which you don't always see uh, for a typical game. So rivalry game, they came out, they supported the team, but we were jittery. I was sitting next to uh, David, who writes for KC Soccer Journal, and my other KC Soccer Journal colleague, uh, Jimmy Mack. And Jimmy, like, grabbed my leg at one point. He was so nervous. It it made me laugh because it's like, he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm just jittery. And I'm like, yeah, I feel it. It, There's so much energy in the stadium. And you, you just didn't want sporting to have to go back to st louis because even though they pulled off that road win you know 4-1 is pretty beautiful uh, i the, the momentum would be in st louis's favor if the game had gone back there but luckily that is not the case so let's talk about why they don't have to go back first we're going to start with logan in denbe and very fitting he scored his second ever goal with seth sinovic in the stadium so you know, from one left back who only scores in the playoffs to another left back who only scores in the playoffs logan with a beautiful goal it was a, really a team goal uh, so many guys involved in it kinda shallowy polito polito plays the final pass shallow got a secondary assist on it and blom for st louis their defensive midfielder their nemanja Radoya, if you will sheena uh, he loses track of logan and logan dribbles into the box and curls it with his right foot he's left-footed but he hit it with his right foot past roman berkey Sporting's up one nothing, basically at the death of stoppage time. There was a, like another minute or something that went by because of the celebrating and whatnot. But really, really great way to go into the half. And how did that have you feeling about the second half? Well, I after Logan and Dembe, who is my second favorite player on the team, scored, I was really excited. But then I was also nervous because if you think back to last week's game, when he scored under a minute later, St. Louis scored. So I was like, man, the ref really needs to blow that whistle because I, I was like, all St. Louis, St. Louis needs is like 45 seconds and they might be able to score. So I felt really good knowing St. Louis didn't like score before halftime. So I felt good about the second half, but I... I don't know. It's like St. Louis, they're a good team. You just never know. And all it takes is one goal to get their momentum going, which they eventually did in the dying minutes of the second half, got their first goal. Are they a good team, though? They got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the eighth-seeded Sporting Kansas City. Well, I would say... All season, they were the number one team. So even though they got eliminated by the number eight seed, it doesn't mean they're a bad team. But throughout the year, they were the number one seed. So yeah, they are a good team. Look at you giving compliments to our rivals. I think they're a terrible team, and the (laughs) metrics finally caught up with them. They were way outperforming their numbers, and honestly, they just got cold at the wrong time, and sporting got hot at the right time. So, hey, whatever. I'll take it. Now, let's talk about the second goal. And I agree with you that I'm glad they got into halftime without giving up the response goal. That would have been really bad to give up in like under a minute. But I thought I saw several players kind of saying, hey, hey, let's get organized. Let's, you know, we got to close this half out. And like Fontes, he's a pretty good leader out there. And other guys kind of trying to, to direct traffic a little bit. So that was a plus. All right. So let's talk about the second goal. 
Daniel Shalloway gets the second one, but it was another really good team goal. And this actually wants to lead me into just a brief mention of tactics. But uh, Polito wins the ball in the midfield. He's kind of like under a lot of pressure. He plays it to Russell, who takes a great touch and then dribbles most of the length of the field. He plays this ball to Gadi Kinda. Kinda is kept on side by Akil Watts, one of the defenders for St. Louis, who was actually a change. He was not a starter in the last game. and He started in this game. Whoops. And then... I don't know if you could tell this from where you were sitting, Sheena, but Kenda nutmegged Akil Watts. He put the ball right between his legs as he passed it to Daniel Shallowy. What's funny is we went back and we watched the highlights when we got home, and Taylor Toman was saying, like, or maybe it was Jake Zibben. I don't, I don't remember. One of the commentators was saying, "Hey, this, he, you know, it was an easy play for Kenda. It was an inch perfect pass through the legs of the defender. I don't think it was easy. He just, maybe he made it look easy because he's so." casual and calm he kind of looked like he was going to shoot and then he suddenly passed the ball which was the right decision shallow he had so much net open and then he almost didn't make it but he put it in the goal sporting's up two nothing i suddenly feel infinitely better and then sheena what i couldn't tell and i don't know if you could tell did daniel shallow run over to the st louis supporters and like rub his eyes like they're crying i have no idea you were saying that when we watched to me i I don't even remember him going over there. I think I was cheering and screaming so loud. I wasn't paying attention to what was happening on the field. I was I was a little bonkers, which is probably why I feel so tired and need to go to bed because I was losing my mind during the game, chanting and screaming and booing and everything. So I wasn't paying attention. And even when we watched the replay... Um, highlights. I'm not sure if that's what he was doing. I would need to see a different angle than the one we saw to know for sure what he was doing. Yeah, we only kind of saw the angle from behind it. I'm sure they're going to have some of those sideline angles where the cameras are running around when they do the behind the shield video for this victory. I feel like if he had been doing a celebration where he was crying, we would have seen it by now. And I haven't seen anything. Have you seen anything? No, but somebody did ask him what he was doing in the in the locker room, but it was so incredibly loud in the locker room after the game that I couldn't actually hear his response. I'll have to go back and check my microphone and see if my my phone picked it up when I when we were interviewing him. But he just said, I, you know, I always go to that corner. And obviously, there was a lot of St. Louis people in that corner because they were, you know, they showed up. They had good road support. A lot less yeah. of them this game than the last Kansas City uh, St. Louis game in KC. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't at the last game, so I didn't have a gauge of if it was more or less. Yeah, they were really, like, they, there was red or pink, pinkish, what are we calling it, wet dog food pink uh, sprinkled That's throughout the stadium. That's what you call it. Yeah, you hate it. You cringe every time <laughs> I say it. You never had to wet dog food down for a poor pup that their teeth just aren't working very well anymore? They're getting older? <laughs> Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't like that description. <laughs> you don't like it? Okay. Anyway, yeah. there was a lot of, we'll just say red for the sake of not upsetting you here. Uh, okay. Red sprinkled throughout the stadium and much of it was in the South Stands. Like it really spilled over into the South Stand last time, but this time that was not the case. And th- there were moments throughout the game like Logan had gone down with an injury at one point and I'm not even sure how he got hurt. I think he just like jammed his leg into the ground because I watched the replay and no one hits him. But maybe he's time wasting. Maybe, you know, the dark arts were going on but then after that st louis is booing him the fans are booing him every time he touches the ball but then the sporting fans were cheering louder over their booze <laughs> to kind of drown out the booing i thought it was good and you know 
kudos to the, the KC people that showed out for this big game, including yourself. Shout out to you, Sheena, for all your yelling. And I'm glad you still have a voice to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is that uh, I was in the South Stand and I wasn't right next to St. Louis, um, their fans, but you know, I was like two sections over from them. And so from my perspective, like I was having a hard time hearing what the cauldron was chanting, um, what the South Stand people were chanting. Like the only time I really got it was shots um, on corners and the sporting on one side and Casey on the other. Otherwise, I had no idea what was being said, which I was, I thought based off of what I was hearing, I was like, oh man, you know, whoever's calling this game is like, yeah, the St. Louis fans are louder than the sporting fans. Cause that, from my perspective, is what it seemed like. Cause I really couldn't hear what was happening because they were loud, but thankfully on the broadcast. And you said from where you were sitting, you could hear, you couldn't hear them probably the same way I could. Yeah, you were just sitting so close to them. The Casey fans were definitely much louder. But for being road support, they they were loud. You know, I'm not going to yeah. throw any shade. They did do a good job of bringing the noise. Yeah. They were loud before the game, all throughout the game, even after the game. When they had been eliminated, they were still chanting. People were kind of getting mad at me on Twitter because I gave them respect. And I, I don't know if mad is not the right word. I think they were saying they were forced to stay in that section because they were on their security hold, but a ton of St. Louis people were walking out of the stadium. It didn't look like much of a security hold. And you and I have been in road sections of the stadium before when we're traveling, like this year when we went to Dallas or, you know, we've been to a lot of games on the road and it's not like we're always chanting at the end of the game, especially if we lose yeah. like maybe a little bit, but it was, I mean, there was a lot more of them. So it's easier for them to be loud. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, I don't remember chanting when, especially when we've lost. I think we just kind of all, kind of are bummed together, but yeah, not, exactly. not chanting. Just, you, but especially because also... we're flying to a lot of games or driving a great <sighs> distance to these games. So it's, you don't have as many people there and it's a little depressing. You spent all this money and you are now like, oh, well, that didn't work out. I also wonder if it's because it's the, even though they lost, like it was their first season and they made it to the playoffs and they were the number one seed. So I bet they were doing it for the players, like as a thank you, like, thank you for this good season. We're not mad. We're still going to chant. And honestly, their chanting was when the players were at the cauldron doing their swaying and cheering. And I couldn't hear the the cauldron singing um the whiz song yeah so i mean to their credit they were loud because i couldn't hear what was happening on the other side of the stadium yep credit to them all right so you talked about the st louis goal it kind of came out of nowhere it was not even a shot it was a cross or sometimes referred to as a shross because it turned into a shot (laughs) it went right into the corner of the net couldn't have placed it better if he tried celio with that shot And yeah, it left some nervy moments for the rest of the game. And I definitely felt like, man, sporting a typical sporting team would find a way to lose this game or to, you know, give it up, make it a tie and then have to go to penalties and whatnot. And that didn't happen. 
So I think that, you know, credit to them. The defense played well. And this is even after uh, the, the goal happened after Danny Rosero had to sub out because he had gotten injured. And I, you know, Castellanos, he was making me nervous a little bit. He won several balls in the air. He's very good in the air. He, he heads the ball very well. There were several times the ball fell to his feet and he would just kick it to no one. And I don't know if the directive from coaches were like, you don't dribble, you don't take touches, you just clear the ball. <laughs> and because he did some times where I was like, oh, yeah, time, find somebody, pass, you know, possess the ball for a second, kill some clock. But that's not what happened. Could you see the much of that play at the other end of the stadium? Because I know that was on the far side of the stadium for you as they were trying to close out the game. Yeah, I mean, once he came in after Danny Rosero was carted off on a stretcher, I was really nervous because I was like, well, if there's a time for St. Louis to score a second goal, if they were smart, they'd be all over Castellanos and trying to, you know, tear him apart to like, to me, that would be your strategy to get that second goal is just to try to tear him up since he isn't a starter. So I thought he did good. He, I did see him win headers. I do. I can think of one or two times where he just kind of kicked the ball and it went to nowhere, but I didn't notice it more than a few times, which maybe he only had it a few times. I don't really remember. Yeah. I was, was like two very times nervous. Really stood out to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was very nervous by the time he came on. Yeah, understandably so, because suddenly it's a one-goal game. They say 2 nothing is the most dangerous lead, but I think that's nonsense. one nothing is. One mistake ties the game versus uh, yeah. a mistake happened or a lucky play happened, and Kansas City still had another goal worth of cushion, and they held on to that cushion. So I wanted to, speaking of Rosero, I wanted to talk about that play and a couple of plays from, it was kind of a violent game, I would say. There was a lot of like heavy challenges, a lot of cards given yeah. out, and there was some that I was wondering about, but that one... I saw some St. Louis fans very upset on the internet that that wasn't a red card on Rosero. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it in slow motion or anything, or if you saw the GIF I put on my, my Twitter at Play for 90, but it was risky from him. It was kind of reckless, and he, he dives in two-footed, but he misses. He doesn't get the player, and then his legs kind of scissor the guy. <laughs> that reminds me of wrestling, because <laughs> we're always talking about the acclaimed scissoring out there. Anyways, I digress, but he, he kind of scissors him, and then that trips the player, and because he's trying to leap over the challenge that's coming at him, and he kind of nicks his foot on the way, and it wasn't that bad of a foul. The, the guy gets up immediately, but he need Rosero in the face while he was going down, which was Rosero's fault. And which is what led to, I think Rosero had like a bloody nose because they were trying to stop the bleeding, but eventually they just put him on a stretcher and, and took him out of there and subbed in Castellanos for that corner kick. And then they scored off the recycled corner just like very briefly after that. But it was pretty scary. I got a chance to ask Peter Vermees about it. Actually, uh, Daniel Sperry asked him how he was doing after the game. And he said, I don't know. I don't even know what happened to him. And then I piped in and said, it looked like he took a knee to the face. And he goes, I'm sure he'll be okay. I was like, okay, Peter's he uh, somebody said on Twitter, Peter's like a rub, rub some dirt on it guy. And let's get back out there. Uh, they have plenty of time to get healthy. And hopefully it's nothing serious from Danny. Hopefully not. I honestly thought maybe he had a concussion. I, I don't know. But and he could. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're being taken off the field, you know, on a stretcher, that's never a good sign. So hopefully it was just extra precaution. But I don't know. I was really nervous after that. 
I'm trying to remember if I saw Rosero in the locker room and I can't really remember because mm-hmm. there was, it was weird. We got into the locker room and no one was in there. It was like one or two guys and they were all off. Oh, you know who was in there? Courtney Ford. And then everybody <laughs> else was off taking a shot. You could hear him celebrating in that like back room that you'll sometimes see on those behind the shield videos. It was so loud in there, but the music was off in the main locker room, which was weird. And then they cranked it on when they came back. They were dancing and singing and having a good time. Speaking of Courtney Ford, I want to take a quick aside. I spoke with Courtney. I got a chance to just talk to him for a second. And I said, would you be playing right now if if you hadn't had to go on the season-ending injury list? Like, are you healthy enough? And he said, yeah. He's like, it's really unfortunate that I had to go on there. If you all will remember, they had to make a decision on going to the season-ending injury list before like the secondary window closed, I think, if they wanted to replace him. And then they used his spot to sign Felipe Gutierrez. So you can decide or argue amongst yourselves if you think that was a good or a bad decision because they could have Ford back right now, it sounds like. And if Rosero's out, man, they would really kind of need for it. I don't really trust Castellanos or Bolliter or Rindolph, no offense, in a do-or-die playoff game. So he is just because he thinks he's ready, that doesn't mean he's been cleared or has he been cleared by doctors to That's fair. Come back? I don't know that they would have tested. I didn't ask that specific of a question. I don't know if they would have tested him to say if he is or isn't cleared because it doesn't matter. He's, he's on the season yeah. injury list and they cannot play him. I would say that Gutierrez hasn't really delivered, so it feels like a bust to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think that could be a fair Just assessment. my initial he, thought. He got some minutes, but are those minutes that could have been taken by uh, Felipe Hernandez, for example, and been, you know, just as good or, or close to as good. I don't know how much of a difference Gutierrez made, but he wasn't even on the bench today. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. He wasn't even in the, the game day 20. I thought that was weird too, because at some point, I honestly, he looks very similar from a distance. Like his hair is very similar to someone else on the team. I, I don't know who, I can't remember who I thought I was seeing on the field. And I thought it was Gutierrez. And then I pulled the lineup up and I was like, oh wait, he's not even on the bench. So... I don't know. It, but, you know, the last couple of weeks, Janice hasn't been on the bench either. So it's... And then he was this game. A, I don't know if you saw Maybe a that. good problem to have is that we have... Yeah, I don't know if we just have a, a lot of depth. And so players that we feel like should be on the bench aren't even making the bench because we have a lot of depth. I don't know. Yeah, you. it could be that. Um, I do think that now that the team is... I don't know if healthy is the right word because there were eight people on the injury report before this game, but most of them played or were in the in the game day roster, except for Tim Leibold and the guys that are out for the year. But it was it's a good and a bad thing because I was thinking Fontes, he took an elbow to the head not too long after Rosero was out and there was no other center backs on the bench. They had no one else they could go to. They, they've been keeping Bolliter on the bench and he wasn't there. And I don't know what you do. You probably put Radoya back at center back. Peter said before the season he could play center back, but then you've now weakened your midfield too. So uh, I, I don't know. I didn't feel great about it. Agata was back on the bench, so that was good after he'd been out with illness. I was hoping that he would get into the game late. I think the game was almost kind of calling for him to run and stretch that team out a little bit. But instead, they just played Eric Tamias like a kind of a false nine, and he mostly helped defend. Yeah, it's yeah. I noticed that too. And when Fontos went down with his injury, I was like looking over because the like diagonal for me was the bench players warming up. And I was like, I don't see anyone on there who could come on. 
I was thinking maybe Zussi. I don't know. He plays all the positions. Could he do defending? He was like the only person I saw that I was like, maybe Zussi. Because I think by that point, Espinoza was on, right? Or he was about to come on. Yeah, Espinoza was either on or about to come on. Uh, I Now, I think if you move Rodoya back, you move Remy back, then you could move Espinoza back. You would just keep kind of sliding people back, and then you maybe yeah. put on Agata and let Tommy fall back into the midfield where he's supposed to be. I'm not sure. Zussi would not be who I would want to defend at the end of the game. Obviously, he's not anywhere near the header of balls as Fontes and Castellanos and Rosero. Those guys, like when there was a, I thought for a minute, that Rosero, he had gotten knocked down a few minutes before he ended up getting hurt. He kind of took a shot to the head and it, it, oh, you know what it was? They took a shot and he headed it out for a corner. Yeah. And then he was down for a minute or so. And I was nervous that, oh man, if he gets treatment, he's going to have to come off for this corner. And then you basically have, what, who do you have? Fontas and Rodoya who are capable of winning headers in the box. Not that like Russell or somebody couldn't win a header, but not having Rosero out there would have made me nervous because he is... You know, he's a presence in the box. He wins a lot of balls in the air. He really does. It's impressive how many balls he wins in the air. I will say I did not see Kyrie win any tonight in the air. I saw him attempt a few, but I don't think he won I any saw of him. them. He flicked one header on, but I won't disagree with you. There was a few times they tried to play long to him and he, you know, did his typical thing and misjudged it. I wasn't upset with him coming on. Johnny looked good after he made that attacking run, like really late in the game to kind of try to put things away. And then they, they didn't end up doing anything with it. He looked really tired and, you know, you want fresh bodies on there to close out the game. And, you know, to Peter's credit, he did make a few subs and, and try to get guys and they, and they were working hard. Rodoya was working hard. Espinoza was way flying all over the place trying to make plays. And they weren't always getting to the ball, but I think they were putting pressure on St. Louis. There was a time or two they passed the ball out of bounds during that closing, what ended up being like 14 or 15 minutes of stoppage time after oh it was all gosh. said and done. Yeah, yeah the stoppage time was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of another part of why there was so much stoppage time is they did a red card check, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Josh Yarrow, one of these center backs for St. Louis, went studs up right into Shallowy's butt, and he's down for a bit. And then the ball may have gone off Shallowy. It looked like it probably went off Shallowy, and they initially call a throw, but then they're checking for a red card. They end up not giving a red card, which I think was fair. He bent his leg. He didn't go in like hard, straight, stiff, straight-legged. But I think it's a yellow – I mean, it's obviously a yellow card all day. You go sh- studs into someone's backside. You miss the ball. It should be a yellow card. But instead. They give nothing because they never call the ref over to the monitor. So then he doesn't have a chance to interfere with that and, and give a card. And then they get the throw to St. Louis. I was like, what is happening? Like they, they the delay for a red card review. And then you don't even give the foul. There was clearly a foul. You don't go review for red card if there's not a foul going on here. So I thought that was very, very weird. And another contribution to why there was so much stoppage time because that happened in stoppage time. It was interesting because, yeah, when Shallowy went down, like nothing was, I mean, obviously they were, he was injured. I didn't realize it was his butt that the studs went into. I thought it was his lower back because that's what it looked like from my view. And I I mean, regardless, either wherever he's getting hit is going to be painful. But yeah, then they showed an image on the board saying that they were reviewing for a possible red card. And then it's like suddenly St. Louis was, you know, playing the ball. And then I was like, wait, we're not going to say anything about what happened. It was very, I was very confused for a moment. 
was like, yeah, I this guess is not where, a red card. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. It wasn't a red card. I, I think that this is where we saw this a little bit in the Women's World Cup where the ref would come on and make an announcement as to what was going yeah. on like they do in the NFL. And I think we could have used that here. You know, it's it would have been reasonable because the fans in the stadium don't know what's going on. A lot of times yeah. I've been there where you're like you're looking on Twitter trying to figure it out because you can't tell what's happening based on the signage in the stadium other than, you know, it's under review. But and obviously they didn't give it because play starts again. But what were they reviewing? Why? Why is it under review? You know, that's something that gets lost in the stadium experience. And hopefully MLS and other leagues will kind of look to improve that over time, because if if it's better to watch a game on TV, you, people will watch a game on TV. You know, if, if it's a better experience, that's it. I don't think you can replace the fun atmosphere that was happening in that stadium. Definitely not. I also feel like they really need a timer in stoppage time in the stadium because it felt like forever. 12 minutes, it turns out, when you don't know when, what time it started, feels like 20. And everyone around me was just like, gosh, is it, is it still under 12? Like we were very confused because nobody, like I'm used to you, like starting a timer. My stopwatch. Yeah. And yeah, and I was looking around and nobody was had one going. So that I feel like I, I don't understand the logic on why they can't just have some kind of timer going on. And I do feel like it would be beneficial for the people in the stadium if the refs could just explain what's going on. I don't know why that isn't happening. It seems like it'd be an easy thing for them just to turn something on and say, okay, we decided not to give a red card. Yeah, like, exactly. Flip know. on your mic pack and, and <laughs> say something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But overall, uh, to give credit to the refs, people worried about Ismail Elfaf being the ref. He was the fourth official at the World Cup final, which I think says something about, you know, he's a legitimate, good, solid referee, the men's World Cup final. And he, he did fine. There were some calls that didn't go Kansas City's way, but I think St. Louis had argued there's probably some calls that didn't go their way. I think if both fan bases are like a little unhappy, but not there's no big egregiously bad blown calls, that you can live with that. As long as we don't see Chris Penso in the playoffs, who was awful for us earlier this year in more than one game, then I'll feel a lot better about Kansas City's chances. I just don't want them. I don't want it to come down to refereeing. I want the game to be decided on the field. And, you know, a missed call here or there. Like, people were mad because Polito got a yellow, and there was a St. Louis handball right before it that didn't get called. And, yes, it did look like there was a handball, but Polito still wiped the guy out. Like, he went sliding under him. It was definitely a foul. And I get that you want the handball to be called, but even if you slid and took someone out slightly after the play happened, you could still get a yellow card, even if they, you know, go back and say, oh, sporting free kick because of the handball. You can't go wiping guys out. But, you know, he made a tactical decision. They didn't score on the counter, and it is what it is. It was, nothing, nothing too egregiously went wrong in my eyes. Yeah, I think Logan and Dempe's yellow. I don't know that that was a yeah, justified. Yeah, yeah, it was soft. I feel like I, I shouted maybe two or three times, somebody should be getting a card. Although I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I see something and I'm like, that should be a yellow. Um, I'm sure that people around me loved me because I was a losing my mind and nobody yeah. around me really was. So... <laughs> Well, you're trying to bring that energy up. And I do think that the Cauldron yeah. has been really good the last few games. And even like that Wednesday playoff game against San Jose, where it wasn't a full stadium because it was like super late at night. It was rainy. It was cold. It was a weeknight. And they were very loud despite that. Even the fans that were there were very loud. It wasn't, 
it wasn't like it wasn't close to being a sellout. It was quite a few people there. But I want to hear more energy from other parts of the stadium. Tonight, I felt like I mostly felt that, but you're getting that like close experience to who's around you. I can remember, do you remember the, we went to the RSL Sporting KC game where it was like a 2-2 draw, is that the media game? And I remember I was trying to do chants and like people would literally turn around and look at me when I was trying to do the chants for the cauldron side of the stadium. I was like, what? what is happening? Like you all shouldn't be upset that I'm trying to start a chant. We're, we're rooting for the same team. I'm trying to be loud. <laughs> so we sit up a little high in the South stand. So I feel like a lot of the South stand energy is like right behind the goal. There's a, a small, but like fierce set of South stand people. And then a lot of the South stand it's cause it's the cheapest ticket in the stadium and you're getting families and stuff that maybe aren't as into it or don't know the game as well or, or whatever the case may be less season ticket holders. I think in that area, it seems to me at least. You know what they should have done is they should have come up with an itinerary of songs with the lyrics. I know that would be a lot of paper for Children's Mercy to print, but like, like that, hand it out. Yeah. And be like, at, even if it was just like at the 15th minute, we're going to chant the song. And at the 30th minute, just a few of them to where the whole stadium could do it. That would have been a cool experience because I don't know that at any point I heard the entire crowd chant like the same tune except maybe the sporting casey that thing yeah that's a fair point i i think that that's probably not going to happen i've sat in the cauldron before where they've handed out lyrics to songs so that you could know the lyrics i don't know if you've ever had that happen when you were there with me or not mm -hmm. but that i don't know if there's any itinerary uh sheena you got to get involved in supporter group culture and make that a thing <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. This is no about offense. as involved as I'm going to get you. So, yeah. All right. I I will so, say, I I will say I prefer sitting, sitting in the cauldron. And probably if our daughter wasn't still on crutches, I probably would have got cauldron tickets. But she couldn't stand the whole time. And she was getting mad when the... Um, when there would be a possible goal on our end of the field and everyone around us would stand, she'd get mad because she couldn't stand with us. And so she couldn't see what was going on. Hey, I'll take that because usually she's not <laughs> watching the game. So her getting mad at least shows me she cared yeah. a little bit. Well, there was Dutch bros on the line and Robux. So I'm not a, I'm not opposed to bribing my kid to watch soccer. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, uh, if it gets her into it, I'm all for it. And hopefully she'll be out of that boot uh, very soon. And she can stand <laughs> yeah. as much as she wants. Although no more home games this year. So as we uh, hit the road. Speaking of hitting uh, the road. I will do that. I know you will. Uh, Peter Vermees <laughs> said he needs people to go on the road. He goes, even if it's a small section of blue in these road stadiums, as you know, they're going to either go to um, Houston or they'll go to Real Salt Lake, depending on who wins that series. And I'll kind of give you guys more details on that in a sec. Oh, uh, Peter Vermees said he wants that support out there. And he they feed off that road energy because you're being loud when you silence the stadium, too, when, when you know, Sporting scores a goal on the road, which hopefully there'll be plenty of those in the future. All right. There was some random stuff on Twitter that I wanted to kind of highlight. And I don't know if I told you all these, Sheena, but 
but I kind of want to just give credit to the people that uh, come up with these clever things. Uh, one, our uh, friend of the pod, Zach Cobb, uh, former uh, Twitter runner of the cauldron and just overall involved fellow. He put out a tweet right after the game saying, quote, St. Louis City is hereby ordered to cease and assist all postseason soccer operations immediately. A little shout to the whole cease and desist of the that podcast that sold the soccer capital thing and, and Sporting defended their trademark. It had a lot of likes and retweets. It made me laugh out loud. I thought it was pretty funny. And then my other favorite thing that has kind of emerged over the last few weeks, and she don't know how involved you are on Twitter, but there's this thing where St. Louis fans will post videos of like their supporters waving flags and go, oh, other teams are copying us trying to do this, or a certain chance they think that, you know, sporting or other teams are copying their chance, when in reality, uh, they just don't know soccer. So everybody's like, oh, you know, St. Louis invented this, and St. Louis invented waving flags, and St. Louis invented scoring goals and uh, celebrating after you score a goal. There's just a lot of uh, kind of memes going around about celebrating, and a couple that happened on inter- on the internet that I thought were great was uh, Michael Herbert, credit out to Michael. He said, looks like St. Louis invented not winning a game in the playoffs. I thought that was pretty good. And then when we were watching the highlights, we kept seeing this sign in the cauldron that said, St. Louis invented this sign, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good, too. Did Have you been noticing that trend or any did anything stand out to you from the signs or the tweets or the memes? Well, I am only on Twitter. If I'm at home, I don't have it on my phone. So it wasn't something I was watching like in the stadium. I like to be in the moment. And so I did see because they were showing on the video. There was a few St. Louis invented this, St. Louis invented that. I saw more than just the the sign one, but I can't think of what the other one said. So yeah, I did notice those. They're amusing. Yeah, they're pretty clever, right? And then I don't know if you saw the title of the recap of our article for the KC Soccer Journal, but my buddy David, he put the title as St. Louis channels their inner LA Rams and decide not to go back to St. Louis because they've been eliminated so they don't get another home game. Uh, does, it, does it feel like a low blow to you to pick on them for losing their NFL team or how do, how do you feel about that? I feel like that's a thing people in Kansas City do is they bring up the Rams. So it feels on point with what Kansas City people like to do, mentioning the Rams leaving. So I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if it's that I've muted so many St. Louis soccer accounts on Twitter, but I wasn't experiencing any backlash from any of them. And uh, there, oh, Sheena, I don't know if you saw this. Somebody put out a tweet of a list of people that should be blocked. And I was on the list, like Zach is on there. And Zach like gets them riled up. He like reposts their comments all the time and really is trying to get them fired up. I mostly just put my takes, put some gifts you know, links to the articles I write, the links to the podcast, whatever. I was like, I got blocked. I'm like the most boring person compared to Zach is just like trying to get at them. So I kind of felt a little sense of pride knowing that they added me to this list of people to block. And they're just going to lose out on stuff because I post sometimes exclusive information like injury reports that they might want to have their hands on. I, I wouldn't say an injury report is exclusive, but I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about getting it out first. I did see that list and I saw people were mad they were on the list. Maybe people just don't like your takes because they're not pro St. Louis, they're pro Sporting Kansas City. So just to avoid having to see, I don't understand why St. Louis people would be following any Kansas City 
Twitter people. I don't know. I feel like why block? Because then if I get up like a good gif or a video, because I put up the video of their goal, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm just exclusively putting up with the pro sporting stuff or I usually I'm putting up the, the hard fouls kind of going, ooh, I can't believe this wasn't called as a yellow or a red or whatever. So you're just not able to see that or see a conversation around it if you block it. I don't know. It seems odd. It seems petty. But hey, maybe I should be happy. I, other people are jealous they're not on the list and I made the list. It all seems real petty. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't get it. That's yeah. I prior to this season when I took over our podcast Twitter, I didn't really do much with Twitter before. So I don't get like I don't understand all the ins and outs of like why you would follow people on a team you don't support. It, maybe I if just, you just want a general it. awareness of the league i don't know i follow accounts that are just like media know. people for all kinds of teams i guess i don't know see i don't get it but i'm not I as hard know what's the, going on that's the casualness of me is that i wouldn't get it or i definitely wouldn't follow other teams i only follow this one team all right fair enough <laughs> so i have a few questions for you sheena uh, before we kind of move off of this game okay. and the first one, you kind of answered it to me privately, but I thought you should answer it for the audience, is now that Sporting Kansas City have beat St. Louis, they've advanced out of the first round, they'll face either Houston or RSL in the second round. Is this a successful season? Yes. I think beating St. Louis at the first seed, even if it wasn't like this rivalry and they weren't 250 or whatever they said miles away from us, I think anytime an eighth seed beats the one seed, that's a success. And it's just like the cherry on the top is that it's our new rival, um, St. Louis. So I think it will be considered a successful season. I think a lot of people would be happy. Like, obviously, we want sporting to go all the way. But if they don't advance after this next round, I think people will be okay with it as opposed to if we hadn't won or we hadn't beat uh, San Jose. So I, I, I would be San Jose, content. St. Louis, Sa- or both? Both. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think a lot of people would be okay with it. Obviously, we want to go all the way. We want to paint the wall. So hopefully we yeah, can. I I was thinking about painting the wall. I don't know. Are they going to like come back and have a wall painting ceremony? Because if they win it, they're going to have to do it all on the road. So maybe they'll bring like a replica of the wall to the road stadium and <laughs> have Johnny paint it. <laughs> I don't know. Long way to yeah, go. Long way know. to go before that's maybe you gotta win three three road games. Maybe they have Courtney Ford in the stadium and he can paint the wall after the game ends. Okay, or Matt Beasler, you bring Matt Beasler and you let him do and it. Jimmy Nielsen back, let them do it together. Yeah. Like they've done it before. Although, Jimmy started that whole thing. Although it feels unfair for players who haven't played to be painting the wall because that seems like a very prideful thing. So it does feel. Who do you have paint the wall? Let's say they do have to come. It's back. the captain usually. It's the captain. Oh, is so, it? Okay, so Johnny yeah, Russell Niel- will be doing Nielsen it. Nielsen did okay. it. Nielsen started it. Beasler did it. You know, when they won, uh, I think it was U.S. Open Cup in 2017. That was a home game and he did it. I'm thinking back. They won the 2015 U.S. Open Cup, but that was on the road at Philly. So I, they, there was nobody like on a ladder or scaffolding or whatever over there painting the wall. So I don't know if it just, you know, painting the wall is also while they've done it live in the stadium. It's just adding years to the trophies, right? Like it would be another year under MLS Cup. 
which would be a painting of the wall. It just wouldn't be painted by a player. Yeah, but I feel like it's a whole experience. So they it'd be cool if they had a free ceremony and you could just come as a fan and they do some some celebration of some sort. And then our captain, Johnny Russell, gets up there and he paints 2023 or... It would still yeah. be 2023, the Suns? Okay. Yes, yes. It'll end in December if it, if they get that far. You know what would be good? Let's have a parade. And the parade yeah. ends inside the stadium. And then they paint the wall. So the parade would be just be going down that main drag? It wouldn't be like... Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's going to be December. It might be cold for that, but I'll go. Okay. We've got a plan. A lot okay. of work to do between now and then. Uh, so I'll answer the question that I asked of you. Is this season a success? I think because it's been so bad, you know, that the whole 10 games of not not being well. And then I remember people kind of talking about, man, if we could just beat St. Louis, that'd be pretty satisfying. Uh, so I think there's an element or there'll be a percentage of the fans that definitely consider it a success. And I, I don't know. I, I'm torn. I, I was thinking I'm greedy. I want more. As you said, we all want more, right? We don't want it to end right now. That would be that would be depressing if it comes crashing down no matter when if it doesn't end in a trophy i think there'll be an element of disappointment but yeah. there is something about overcoming it peter did talk about the team in the locker room and he was because there was a lot of questions about you know did you believe this team was going to when they got back from the injuries this is what it was going to be and he said something about this is a very good team it may be a great team and i think that these next you know one, two, or three games, depending on how things go, uh, will sh go a long way to showing if if they're great or not. So in a roundabout way, I would say it's like a moderate success, but I, I want more, as we all do. I think that if after that 10-game losing streak, if somebody said you were going to beat the number one seed, it would be hard to believe because at that point yeah. in the season, we were very low and there was a lot of injuries. I think even... In September, if somebody said that, you'd be like, ah, I don't know. So I think, you know, the fact that we have overcome all of this and we found a way into the playoffs and we beat the number one seed, like it's a success. Obviously, more is going to be better, but I don't think anybody at this point, given where we started at the beginning of the season, are going to say that, like, this was a bad season or Peter Vermees. I, I wonder if the Peter Vermees should be fired talk is now done and dead because he has delivered a playoff spot. We beat St. Louis. Like, are the, do you think there's still people out there who want to see him be fired? Absolutely. But even when things are going well, there's people that want people to be fired. So you, I never want to say all of somebody or never will this happen because, yeah. you know, you can't account for the, the, idiosyncrasies of people uh i think it's worth noticing in the, or kind of making note of sporting won six of their final nine games to make the playoffs i don't know if it felt like that to you uh, the person who i thought put it best i'll give a shout out to my my colleague over on shades of blue cody he said it it didn't feel like this team was a great team Right. They they went on this epic run from May 1st on where they win all these games and they claw all the way back into the playoffs. They have the best record in the West, et cetera, et cetera. But it never felt like it because they would just go out and have stinkers or like that Nashville loss where it was, I think, three nothing or losing to Miami when they had like eight or nine players away on international duty. It didn't feel like a good team. But right now everything is clicking it really feels like a good team if you call that san jose game which technically goes in the scoreboard or the, the record books as a draw with a penalty shootout win if you just call it a win that's five in a row 
you know, with two over St. Louis, San Jose, and then the last two of the regular season, RSL and Minnesota. So there's this thing in playoff soccer where if you get hot at the right time, it can all work itself out. And sporting are hot at the right time. Let's just hope they can stay hot with this weird three-week break that they're going to endure. Well, I think in any sport, if you get hot at the right time and it's playoff times, I think that that is, is super important. But I will say along the lines of what Cody was saying is that it there was a lot of games that didn't feel great. And I feel like I came on this podcast several times saying it's a roller coaster. Like we have an up week and then we have a down week. And so I'm happy that we're now just having all highs and hopefully the lows are done with that we got those out of the way in the last couple months. So I'm excited to see who they're playing. I have a question for you. At this point, who would you rather see? Um, Real Salt Lake or Houston Dynamo? Who do you want sporting to play? That was my next question in the rundown. (laughs) Sorry. I, I think I said this on the last episode. Without a doubt, I want Houston. They are the higher seeded team, but it doesn't matter. Either team will be the home team when sporting face them they get no more home games they're done being playing at home because the red bulls have been eliminated so no more home games um even if you know somebody were to make a run like a low seated team sporting are the lowest seated team low the worst record that's still in the playoffs so they cannot host anybody the rest of the way and i want houston because the sporting are terrible at real so like playing at elevation I don't know what it is. I mean, you remember uh, one of those wins was that 3-2 win over RSL where Sporting had 10 or 9 or let me try that again, 11 men while RSL only had 10 for like almost the full 90 minutes, all but like the first couple of minutes. And they still barely won. They were up 3 nothing, and they almost blew it. They, it was 3-2 win. So I, I don't want RSL. They've shown they can beat Houston before. And I, I don't know. I just something about Real Salt Lake. They they eliminated Sporting the last time they were in the playoffs. If you'll remember, that was a home game that they were up in that game and they gave up some late goals and RSL knocked them out. I remember just sitting there stunned, going like, I don't even know what just happened. How did how did RSL, who's was like a mediocre team, came in and on the road and won sent Sporting packing? What about you? I don't remember that game, of course, but. I would. <laughs> I it's would 2021. Rather... The last time we were in the playoffs. Oh well, a lot has happened since 2021 in my world. So I would rather see Houston as well. They don't. I feel like they don't have a strong fan base. So that potentially could be a stadium that we could fill it up with people. It's Thanksgiving. It's going to be sometime after Thanksgiving. Like in my head, it's that weekend. So I looked it up. It's a. It's an 11 hour drive or a quick flight. So that would be a good stadium to fill up in blue, aka do we need to take a vacation after Thanksgiving? I can give up. I can sell my Mariah Carey tickets and go to Houston. I forgot you have that (laughs) that Mariah Carey Christmas stuff going on. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a good question. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, Real Salt Lake and Houston play tomorrow and Monday, depending on when you're listening to this. They play Monday night. Uh, Houston are up one nothing in the series. This is the the return trip to Salt Lake, and if it's needed, they'll play again on the 11th next weekend, next Saturday. So back in Houston. So we'll why see. They, um, right. Wait, why are they playing on a Monday? Playoffs are weird. Sporting actually got a really good draw in the playoffs. Uh, I think it's something we haven't highlighted at all. Uh, Columbus and Atlanta played on Wednesday. How weird is that? That like, is why weird. Are they playing on a Wednesday, and then their next game is on a Tuesday. 
So they've got these weird playoff games. They're trying to set it up to where you can watch every single game, which I do appreciate. Um, you know, I've watched more playoff soccer than than I've watched of most of the regular season because all the games are going on at the same time. It was hard to watch the other games. And especially if it was a home game, the whole effort of getting to and from the stadium, you're not able to catch much of the soccer that's going on around it. I'd watch it in the locker room sometimes while we're waiting for players. But, you know, you're not getting a, a full experience. Uh, right now, uh, basically Dallas and... And Seattle are tied. So we'll, that game's going on to a third game. LA has already eliminated, LAFC has eliminated Vancouver from the playoffs. So LA is going to have a huge long bye as well. It would have been interesting to see if everybody won back-to-back games. If Do they move the playoffs up? Probably not because the Eastern Conference probably would have some second game losers as well. But yeah, that's the that's the reason. That's the weird scheduling. So Sporting got really lucky having all weekend games. Even if there were some weird start times, overall pretty lucky. Yeah. So, but the Real Salt Lake-Houston Dynamo game, could that series could end and both Sporting and whoever they play. I don't know who won the first game in, in those. Houston. Okay, so if Houston wins, then they're going to be on just, of a long, um, just as long of a bye as Sporting. That's my understanding. They have not put out the rest of the schedule yet because obviously they don't know how things are going to play out. But there's an international break that's coming up in between the end of this round and the start of the next, the the second round of the playoffs, the conference semifinals of the playoffs. So I don't know, but because there's at least a third game with Seattle and Dallas, if nothing else in all these other series, I don't know that you can move the whole thing up because then you're still going to end up waiting around for that team, whoever plays them, which would be LAFC in this case. Yeah. Oh, it'll be interesting. I guess we ha- have plans tomorrow night. We got to watch this Houston Real Salt Lake game. I mean, what? we as in you. Watch a non-sporting. Oh, okay, that's, <laughs> no. that sounds more correct. Yeah, I was like, we What's as in you. Right now? All right. <laughs> no, a- not any me. Any final thoughts about sporting St. Louis before we move on and talk about the rest of the show? Yeah, I just wanted to say it was a really fun game overall, obviously, because it went in our favor. But just the atmosphere tonight was unlike anything I've experienced at any any of the other games I've been to. Um, and I went I, I mean, I haven't been a sporting Kansas City fan as long as like probably most of you who listen to the podcast. But our first game was in tw- that we attended in um, Children's Mercy was at 2015. And I don't feel like I've been in a stadium environment um, all the times I've been. I know, Chad, you went to the MLS Cup. Is it comparable to that experience? So I went to the U.S. Open Cup final in oh, 2017. Okay. I flew back for that. MLS Cup was 2013. We did not come back for that in the heart oh. of winter. <laughs> Probably would have been hard to get those tickets. But yeah, we were we were watching from the road for a long time. So it was weird. Our first sporting games were actually not in Children's Mercy Park. We, we went and saw road games and whatnot. So kind of yeah. a unique experience. But I would say, yeah, this was on par with that U.S. Open Cup crowd. That was a midweek game, but it was rowdy because it was for a trophy. And that was kind of yeah. in the heart of Sporting's runs where they were just, you know, going deep into the playoffs all the time, winning trophies all the time. So uh, I think, you know, comparable considering. And I think part of that has to do with you're facing St. Louis. You know, they, they we hate them already. <laughs> yeah. And we're up 3-2 in the series. So year one is done. St. Louis lost. Do you think this... Uh- if they made it all the way to the MLS Cup and they won it, do you think this team would have more meaning than the U.S. Cup championship game you went to? Like, would the environment sure. be? Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I think the environment is going to be, it'll be a road heavy, or I mean, like a home team heavy situation. So whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference is going to host because, well, if Sporting were to make it, right, because they're the, the lowest seed remaining. But it would be rowdy. I think you MLS Cup is the it is the trophy, right? It's the one you want to win. Sure, you can win US Open Cups, but they're just not as important. There's times where kind of like mediocre teams, maybe even bad teams like Houston have won two US Open Cups in the last four years or something like that. And they weren't particularly good during much of that time. They won this year with and they're better. But it doesn't carry as much weight. Even Supporter Shield, which probably should carry more weight. It's the best record in a really long season, should probably carry some more weight. It doesn't seem to. It seems that MLS Cup is the trophy. It's the one that everybody wants to win, even though it's a tournament and it's not really a, an accumulation of results. It's getting hot at the right time, which sporting are hot. So let's hope they stay hot. I hope so. But it was a really fun game. I'm glad I got tickets to go. And I'm sad that. The season has ended for home games, not ended, but, you know, it was the last home game of the seasons. Yeah. So I am sad about that, but it was a really fun time and I really need to make soccer friends. So I, it's more enjoyable since Chad refuses to sit with me. I don't know if refuses is the right word, but yeah, I, I, I chose not to again. All right. Uh, one last thing about this whole thing. So in the next round of the playoffs, just so everybody knows, single elimination. So that's why Sporting have no more home games. They're the low seed. And if games are tied after 90 minutes, it does not go straight to penalties like it has in these in the first round and it, it did in the wild card round. It's two 15-minute extra time periods. And then only if it's tied after 120 minutes. Do they go to PK? So a little primer there. We'll talk a lot more about, you know, Houston or Salt Lake, whoever it ends up being, because uh, we have a lot of weeks <laughs> until there's another That's game, true. which is, is kind of crazy. So maybe next week's episode can be a focus on the Casey current offseason, a little fantasy sporting director for them as well. We can pretend we're Flatco for a minute and, and make some roster choices. And we can even talk about the NWSL expansion draft, which I'm going to get to in one sec. But first, last Sporting KC thing here before we head to the digital crawl. Antoine Griezmann. Chena, I know you don't know who this man is, but he's a very good French winger. He's a little bit older, which, you know, is kind of typical. He's 32, so he's not like an old, old man. Uh, you know, he's not he's not a messy age at 36 over <laughs> here, best player in the world. But he, he's really good. He's played for the French national team for a long time. Um, he's had stints for Atletico Madrid, I would say, was maybe one of his more famous places. He played for Barcelona for a little bit and he's actually back at Atletico Madrid again uh, as of 2022 he just scores goals like you wouldn't believe in this most recent stint with Atletico which is like a year a season and not even a season and a half he has 22 goals uh the first time he was with them he had 94 goals in 180 matches so he's scoring better than once every match or every other match I should say so really good record and he's still put in quite a few goals despite getting a little bit older. The reason I bring him up is because you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs were in Germany and they beat the Dolphins. And Griezmann is a big Patrick Mahomes fan and a Chiefs fan. So he met him after the game and they like exchanged. He got like a Mahomes jersey. And then the quote that you can make out in the audio is, if you need anyone in KC, end quote, it kind of cuts off. You can't hear. So 
Sporting are going to have an open designated player spot next year. Gabi Kinda will not be a DP unless they pay him a ton of money to come back. He's currently not making a ton of money. It's just his transfer fee that makes him a designated player. I know you don't know who this man is. I'm going to make you watch highlights of Griezmann between now and next week. This was kind of late news right before we recorded. But what do you think? Should Sporting get a guy that is maybe one of the better wingers in the world he's probably slightly on the downhill at this point but he has been one of the better wingers in the world if they can get him what like whose position does he play you didn't say what side which winger so winger um i don't i honestly don't know if he's a left or a right winger but obviously if he's a left winger that wouldn't work as well because daniel shallowy signed forever but if he's a right winger it's johnny russell's spot well i don't know I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy. And I have a deep uh, love for Johnny Russell. So I don't know what what I'd want to do. Okay, fair enough. So I'll I'll give you a little more context. So he's been the La Liga best player of the year before. Uh, He's won a ton of trophies. He was a Ballon d'Or finalist multiple times, which is that, you know, best player in the world thing we talked about last week that Messi Messi won. So he is an elite player. He is a, a high volume goal scorer. And I think You know, he's doing this in La Liga in Spain, where the talent levels are are pretty high. So MLS definitely has crappier defenses than what's going on over there. So I think he'd be putting in goals. I I would be interested to know how good of a work rate defensively he has. I'm not going to lie and act like, oh, watch a ton of Atletico Madrid games and know that he gets back and plays defense. I've no clue. So if he doesn't play defense, Peter Vermees is going to want him anyways. But he's an intriguing name. I mean, he does have an intriguing name, but I, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts because I don't know him. All right. We'll have you watch highlights between (laughs) uh, this episode and the next episode. And you can can break down some tape. I know you're real good at breaking down tape and seeing what what you think he brings to the team. I love talking tactics. So I will make those notes and we can have a hard-hitting conversation. Okay, sounds good. You know, speaking of tactics, really quick, I'm going to slide back to the SKC-St. Louis game. I'll make this really brief. They did not play the way I wanted them to play. They possessed the ball a lot more. They won possession like 61% to 39 in the first half. And then St. Louis did end up winning the possession battle, but part of that was because KC was up to nothing and you know we're kind of giving the ball away they didn't need the ball as much and it made me nervous the game was closer than it should have been versus they dominated last week and they changed tactics so i'm glad that peter didn't outthink himself but he did not listen to me he decided to play the way he wanted to play i can't believe he wouldn't listen to you I know, it's crazy. All right, digital crawl time, (laughs) y'all. Let's get through these stories. Sheena, you jump in here if you have anything to say. Guy Kinda, he was fine for diving in the first St. Louis game. I will tell you, I looked at the tape. It was definitely a dive. He was not tripped. I, I, I kind of wonder, like, if the ref doesn't call a foul, If I think it was Ted Uncle last week, if he doesn't call a foul, do they go back and give him the, the fine for diving? Because he, he goes down, and people go down all the time where they don't call fouls. But, yeah, he definitely wasn't touched, so he got a fine. Uh, How I much was this fine? No, they undisclosed amount. They never say. Oh, okay. Probably not enough to deter diving because people dive all the time. Mm, okay. All right, and then... I mentioned, and I'm just going to briefly talk about it, and then we'll get deeper into it. Maybe next week's episode. This seems like a good spot for it. The NWSL announced they are having an expansion draft again. Boo, boo. Uh, And you can only protect nine players, plus the current get to protect well, everybody gets to protect any of their U18 players, so they don't want these young kids being moved all over the country, being drafted in the expansion draft. So they'll get nine plus 
uh, Pfeiffer, their new signing, who's like 16, not even 16, 15 years old right now, almost 16. And then after you lose a player in the expansion draft, you get to protect another person. So you can get basically 10 plus your U18s. Every team will lose two players each out. Ow. Initial thoughts? Yeah, it seems very unfair. I guess it sounds like they didn't used to do the expansion draft and but they did at one point. Why did they bring it back? I don't think they've ever gotten rid of it, but this one feels especially egregious in terms of how many players are getting taken because I went, you know, when LA uh, Angel City, I guess they're called, and San Diego Wave came into the league, I don't remember losing two players each, but that was also a weird time because the current, I'll have to go back and look. I, I can't remember. The current weren't the current yet. They were Casey Woso. It was all happening at once. It was that weird transitional thing. So I'm not sure. Did. Uh, San Diego Wave and Angel City come in the same year? They did, yeah. They came in together. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it seems unfair. And it's like, how do you, who do you protect? I, which I guess we could talk more about next week. That's Yeah, so that's what I'm going to have you and I do. We'll sit down and we'll try to protect. Okay, I looked it up and only nine players were drafted in the last expansion draft. So it was way less people being taken. And... Actually, not even nine players were taken because uh, San Diego passed a couple of times in the draft. So oh. uh, Casey did not lose a player. Casey were technically the current by this point. They had they played. I don't know if you remember this. You know, their very first season, they played the first half of their last game as Casey Woso, and then they came out in the second half as the Casey current. They announced the I brand don't like at halftime. Yeah, I don't remember so that. So technically they were the current, but they did not lose a player. And now every team is going to lose two, unless I guess there's a lot of passing. That said, I think, well, we'll talk about it more next week. There is a lot of talented players on the current, and it's going to be some tough decisions on who to who to protect because you're going to lose a starter. I mean, 11 players start. You can't even protect 11 players. I don't understand why you would pass on a player like why did san diego wave do that they must have had a different strategy that they wanted to use to build their roster so i won't rule it out that there'll be more passing towards the end of that draft because maybe bay fc and the utah royals don't want to take 12 different players from all these different teams there's 12 rounds so it's 24 players total it's a lot oh, it's i hate it i hate it all right We'll talk more about it next week. Uh, the U.S. Okay. women's national team appears set to announce Emma Hayes as their new coach. This is per Joseph Lowry at Backhield.com, and it's been confirmed by several others. Shout out to Backhield, sometimes sponsor of this podcast. Um, she's uh, uh, 47 years old. She's the coach of Chelsea in the Women's Super League, which is over in England. It's kind of the Premier League for the ladies over there. Uh, she's built Chelsea from when they were a part-time team. They didn't even have true full professionals up to uh, really elite team but one year she won the treble she won three trophies in one season uh, when she started the staff they didn't even have offices or desks so she's really built that team up uh, she signed a new build a new deal i should say back in 2021 that had no end date to her contract with Chelsea. But Chelsea has agreed to, to let her go. She's going to coach the rest of the season for Chelsea, which will go into like the spring. And then the she'll join the U.S. Women's National Team after. And then she may be joining on international breaks. That's not really been decided or announced. Well, nothing official has been announced at this point. So 
it seems like everybody's kind of saying this is a really good hire. She seems like she's a really good coach. And I'm glad they kind of went overseas because they've failed lately hiring within the league in terms of Vladko obviously didn't work out. And there was some talk they were going to hire Laura Harvey from the OL reign. And I'm not I'm not big on her. I'm glad they didn't go that way. She kind of always chokes in the big games. No offense, Laura Harvey. <laughs> so I'm intrigued by Emma Hayes. And hopefully it brings the U.S. Women's National Team back to their prominence. I hope so. It's interesting that she, because we have the Olympics, so she would be the coach for the Olympics, but she's not going to have a lot of time with the team, right? Yeah, that's what was my concern as well. So I don't know if this interim manager is going to keep handling things or what it's going to look like. They didn't look great against Colombia. They had a draw and a win, but Colombia is not an elite team compared to some of these you know, other superstar teams of the world, the Spains of the world, your World Cup champions. So I don't know. We'll see. It doesn't bode well, I don't think, for the Olympics, but long term, hopefully it bodes really well. I'm also curious to see what she does with the current lineup. Like, is she going to, who she's going to keep or call, like, if she'll make a lot of changes to the lineup? Yeah. Because there's, there's some players on there that are getting up there in age. So I wonder, like, what she's looking for and if those, like, your, no, I don't know that Alex Morgan is old. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, she's in her mid-30s, yeah. Yeah, so some of those older players, like if they'll continue to be called up or not. Yeah, I think no matter what happens with the being an interim or Emma taking over, that eventually they need to move towards younger players. And if nothing, let's just call in a bunch of young players and let them play in these coming up camps to see who should be on this team as they're heading towards the Olympics. So they've, they're already qualified. Let's, let's get some young girls in there and see what goes on. Okay. Even like when I said young girls, sorry. (laughs) I mean, there are some players that are not even adults, you know, that are, they are going to be potentially They are young, young kids, but Everybody's young compared to me. Sheena, nobody's my age that's playing women, you know, women's national team (laughs) soccer anymore. So, all right. Yeah, I said it weird. Uh, I digress. Last thing, big thing here is kind of some gross news. Um, Australia pulled out of the bidding for the 2034 World Cup, which means that the deadline has passed for countries to announce a bid, and Saudi Arabia is running unopposed. So they will get the 2034 World Cup. Why we're deciding the 2034 World Cup in 2023 when it's 11 <laughs> years away is beyond me. They still haven't even picked a 2027 Women's World Cup. That bidding process is still going on. The U.S. are part of that process. So don't know what's going on there. This is, I don't know, the the optics are so bad that Saudi Arabia has a horrible record on humans' rights, women's rights, gay rights. Uh, It's basically, it's punishable by death to be gay in Saudi Arabia. So that seems great. Uh, Not to mention 11 years in the future. It's dangerously hot there. Are we going to have another Winter World Cup like in Qatar? What a freaking mess. FIFA is so corrupt and it ticks me off. And I had really high hopes that Gianna Infantino, who's the president of FIFA, he took over for Seth Blatter, who got in trouble for all his scandals and fraud and manipulation and whatnot. I was hoping he would be better. And he just doesn't care. It's like F you from FIFA. It's really unfortunate because... Yeah, Saudi Arabia is going to be hot, and they are morally corrupt, so I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty tough to look at. And I I just, it's another place where when there's World Cups, I think that we think about, oh, maybe we should plan a trip, right? Yeah. World Cup, how cool would that be? I mean, we did plan a trip. We did, yeah, it's true. Uh, 
but it's that's off the i'm not going to Saudi yeah. Arabia. it's not happening right it's like it's is it even safe for a would you be allowed to drive a car there i'm not sure if you would be sheena there's so many rules so it's a it's I, a pretty backwards place i love to travel and i don't want to go everywhere and saudi arabia is one of those places i i don't even know what one does there so i don't want to find out either so i won't be attending it's unfortunate because it's such a great opportunity to bring exposure to new countries to, you know, for fans and for fans to rejoice and come and celebrate the sport. And I think Saudi Arabia is going to end up not having the same kind of attendance that the United States and Canada and Mexico are going to have in 2026. So yeah, obviously people will go people want to watch their teams play They're They're going to probably put a lot of fans in the stands. But it's sports washing. It's covering up all the awful things that their regime. I mean, they literally murdered a journalist, right? Like it's pretty terrible. You can't dissent there. So it, it'd be unsafe, I feel like, for a lot of people to go there, especially if you, you know, are any of the minority part. Basically, if you're not a man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry, a straight man. I should be uh, clarify even further. So yeah, don't love it. I think it's pretty terrible. All right, upcoming games on the schedule. Uh, Sporting, obviously not playing. The current season are over, but there's some games of interest. I mentioned the Houston Dynamo are at Real Salt Lake on Monday, November 6th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. If needed, they'll also, uh, the the return game three, Real Salt Lake will travel back to Houston Saturday, November 11th at 3 p.m. Unless Houston wins on Monday, then it's over. And then a little something called the USA are going to be playing uh, the U-17 World Cup that take on the Korea Republic uh, Sunday, November 12th at 7 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. So if y'all want to wake up early next Sunday and watch the U.S. U-17 boys, they're going to be competing for I, I hate that you get mad at me when I say boys. Sheena, like, scowled at me when I said boys. They're, they're U-17s. They're children. No, they're I was – I know. I was laughing because you would be promoting the U-17s because you are trying to always see the future kids okay. play. I thought you were just In a non-creepy way. The boys. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's true. I do watch the younger player. I want to watch all of the, I basically want to watch anything USA related, anything Kansas City soccer related, and then everything else is, we'll, we'll see if I make time for it. All right, y'all. Somehow this might have <laughs> ended up being the longest podcast we've ever done, even though there was only one game and almost no subjects to talk about. We just talked to Sporting Kansas City, crushing <laughs> St. Louis. But if you've made it this far already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, tell your Kansas City soccer friends. Uh, this is a really good time to say, hey, if you're not subscribed, how are you going to know when our episodes come out? There's no game for three weeks. So there's not like a set, oh, a game's over. That you know, Chad and Sheena are probably recording a pod. It'll be a little loosey-goosey here. I'm going to try to record on the weekends just because it's easier for our lives. But we'll see how it goes. Search for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, be sure to give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to interact with me on Twitter, I can be found at PlayFor90. But if you'd really like to interact with Sheena, pretty much, it's at ForTheGloryKC <laughs> on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads. Or you can email both of us at ForTheGloryKC at Gmail. Dot com. I don't do threads. I also don't do the Facebook. To be fair, I don't even remember to post on threads most weeks. So sorry, y'all. <laughs> but if you message me on threads, it will pop up on my phone. I have threads installed on my phone. <laughs> so so basically, Sheena's saying she can see your Instagrams and your tweets. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Here's Splitter Conspiracy <laughs> in the KC Cauldron to play us out. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye.